The reality is being a co-founder in a funded tech startup is like a five to 10 year commitment. And so just like you wouldn't commit to marrying somebody before you knew them quite well, it's not a good idea to commit to being a co-founder of someone unless you know them really well. Let's talk about raising capital. You've got a business idea and you're looking to scale fast. Naturally, you start looking for investment. It all starts with pre-seed which involves early investors, often friends and family. From there, you might raise a seed round, which gives you enough capital to find product market fit. Once you have that traction, it's time to scale your business. So you go through series A, B, and so on. In this episode, we speak to Will Sachs, founder and CEO of Fulcrum Venture Accelerator, a seed round accelerator for mission-driven entrepreneurs. We talk about startup funding, the benefits of participating in a startup accelerator, and much more. Hello, Will. Do you want to just start off by telling us a bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm a Canadian entrepreneur and creator, uh, born in Toronto, studied engineering at McGill, and then started getting involved in entrepreneurship and creating things. We built a solar-powered race car in college that we raced from Chicago to Los Angeles, and that really got me hooked on the power of a group of smart people coming together to work on a vision. And then after college, I founded a lighting company, and then eventually ended up founding a tech company called Kendara that helps women understand their fertility cycles in order to get pregnant or avoid pregnancy naturally. And I was CEO of that company for seven years and led that company through a number of rounds of funding and then eventual acquisition by another women's health company in Colorado. And then I founded Fulcrum Venture Accelerator, which is an accelerator for mission-driven entrepreneurs who are raising seed capital with the idea that it was so hard for me to raise money. It must be that hard for other people and it doesn't need to be that hard. And so we help founders who are building impactful mission-driven projects succeed at raising seed capital through a very structured and regimented process of fundraising development. And before we dive a bit more into Fulcrum Venture Accelerator, I'd love to hear a bit more about your journey of raising capital. Sure. So I started with a friends and family round. Well, well, basically I fell in love and got obsessed with fertility charting because I just thought it was a beautiful technology that helped me and my partner at the time connect. And it helped her understand her body and she felt more connected to her fertility and it helped me understand her. And it allowed us to have these beautiful conversations around birth control and, and pregnancy. So I remortgaged my house and was like, this is incredible. We should give this to as many couples as we can. Uh, and we should create a fertility charting technology that uses the internet and uses connected devices and tracks data in the cloud. And so I uh, didn't have any really seed money. So I remortgaged my house that I had just bought a couple of years earlier and took out, I think it was like $40,000 and spent that quickly, not really knowing what I was doing. Uh, and then we raised a friends and family round of $100,000. And then we got into an accelerator and we completed the accelerator and they gave us like $20,000. And then we, I raised an angel round. So coming out of the accelerator, I started, I started fundraising again and we raised a $350,000 angel round. And then we raised about another million and a half from angels and pre-seed venture funds, and then raised a, a proper seed round from uh, led by Boston Seed in Boston. And then, then we did a crowdfunding round. That was like 700K. We also did pre-order financing. So we launched our connected fertility thermometer, this guy here. And we started, we did a pre-order campaign and we sold about a million dollars of those and then did like a couple million dollar bridge round before we sold the company in 2018. 
So I raised many rounds of seed funding, like more than any company should probably raise. But because I've been through the process so many times, I got a really good understanding of how to do it well and where a lot of founders get tripped up. And why did you need to raise so much seed funding? Yeah, well, basically because we were making hardware. And uh, well, software is actually expensive to build. Like software has an incredible margin at the end of the day. Once you have something that's working and you're scaling it, the, the margin is incredible. But in order to build that software, often you have to hire a collection of very skilled, highly expensive people and have them build that software. So software in and of itself is expensive. And that's why so many companies that are making software are raising so much money at the beginning. And then hardware is just extra expensive because you've got to invest in molds and equipment and parts and you don't see the return on those investments until many months or years later. So it just requires a lot of upfront capital in order to create something, get that thing manufactured, get it over here, get it into boxes, out to the end user. Uh, and that's when you get the money coming in. It's the dynamics of how that works. And one interesting thing, you know, we were making hardware and I realized the more successful we are with selling the hardware that we were making, the more money we had to raise which is counterintuitive because I thought, oh, if we're really successful with this, we won't need to raise more money. Incorrect. If we were really successful, I learned we're going to need to raise even more money because of the way that that the dynamics of hardware work is you have to make these big investments up front before you can ship the product and deliver it. And for software companies, let's say we have a technical founder, how should they look at raising money in terms of if they're going to if they have the skills necessary to build the product themselves, do they need to, to raise several rounds of funding to, to hire developers or could they just do it themselves? Although it would definitely take longer. What are your thoughts on? Yeah, I, you know, raising money is not for everybody. It's not for every company. So if you're building something and you want to just create a profitable company and have it grow slowly over time, then raising money is, is not your best bet. You can hold on to more control potentially all the control. Uh, you can not have pressure from investors to have to exit someday if you don't raise money. So definitely like if you can bootstrap something and get it to point of profitability uh, just through you know elbow grease and hard work, I think that's a great path to take. And it really depends on the founder. If your vision is you want to create a category defining software company and you want to do it quickly, then raising money is probably the path to take. But if you want to create a like a a company that's growing slower, but maybe is more has a higher chance of success, then I would say bootstrapping is a good path. So it really comes down to the founder and what they want to do. When I started Kendara, I was like, totally, we just wanted to shoot the moon. Like I wanted to go big or go home. And uh, and that's kind of the mindset that it takes to get funding and to get multiple rounds of funding. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely a lot more risky, I think. It is way more risky. Yeah, it's most venture investments, like I think it's eight out of 10 venture investments fail, right? We're meaning the company kind of goes out of business sooner or later. So for the venture investor, that's okay for them because they make 20 investments and they know that four of them are going to be standing at the end of the day. But for founders, we don't have a way to diversify our risk generally. So when we're building a company where the odds are stacked against us, if we're in the, in the venture funded realm. And what is participating in an accelerator like? And would you recommend it? I would definitely recommend it. We did two accelerator programs at Kindara. We did Founder Institute and we did Hacks. Uh, Founder Institute's a great, super early accelerator, if, like before you really have anything. And then Hacks is a great accelerator for hardware startups. 
And then after that, I mentored at Techstars in Boulder and ran the CEO roundtable at Techstars. And that was a great experience um, to see it from that side. But the, you know, building a, a startup is lonely and hard. And that's why accelerators are so great because you get to do it with other people who are doing that same lonely and hard job. And so it becomes less hard and less lonely. And it's a lot about the ecosystem. It's humans, we're, we're pack animals. And so in an accelerator, you get to be in a pack of other founders building similar stuff to you and learn from them, get support, meet people that are going to end up being investors or mentors or part of your team. It's just, it's great. Like if I was going to start another startup and raise money, I would 100% find the accelerator that was a good fit for where I was at and try to get into it. And so you mentioned you were a CEO coach at Techstars. What did that really involve? And what was some of the key advice you gave to some of the CEOs you were coaching? Yeah, so it was essentially running this roundtable meeting with all the CEOs that were in the sustainability accelerator at Techstars. And so every week we'd all get together and people would check in and talk about what was going on for them and their companies. And then we would take a few people who had issues that were timely or you know things on their startup were on fire or they had a co-founder quit or you know the investor said no or whatever it was and just help them pick it apart and come up with an action plan for what they were going to do now. So it was like half therapy, half business advice mixed together in this round table. And like the stuff that came up again and again was co-founder conflict. That's, that's a huge one. Uh, we pretty much talked about that every week because getting your founding team right is so important. And if your founding team has friction, it makes it not, uh, maybe not impossible. It makes it very hard to execute quickly and build momentum, which is what startups need to do. And I'd love to ask, what are your thoughts on co-founding versus solo founding and then finding the right co-founders? So here are my thoughts is like, oftentimes there's either a co-founder or there isn't. So when I founded Kindara with Katie Bicknell, we were there, both of us together at the beginning, and we were the co-founders of the company. A lot of founders, they don't have that situation. They don't have a co-founder at the beginning. It's their idea. They get going with it and they get a decent amount of distance between them and the founding moment. And so for those founders, my advice is usually like, no, there's no co-founders. Like you're the founder, but you can still bring together a team of others. And it can be difficult because a lot of accelerators want there to be multiple co-founders. And the reality is being a co-founder in a funded tech startup is like a five to 10 year commitment. And so just like you wouldn't commit to marrying somebody before you knew them quite well, it's not a good idea to commit to being a co-founder of someone unless you know them really well. And if that person's not around yet, you need that amount of time. Like maybe Maybe that amount of time is a year to work with them and to get to the point where you really trust them in order to give them the co-founder title or give them enough equity that they would be one of the co-founders. So it's a big risk, huge risk. One of the biggest risks is co-founder conflict early on. And if you know somebody, if you've known somebody for a long time and you're like, hey, we've known each other for five years I want you to be my co-founder in this company. That's very different than founding the company and then saying, hey, I need a technical co-founder because you don't have that track record with that person yet. So it's better in my view to find that person and say, hey, would you be my CTO and give them a nice equity chunk, but don't make them a co-founder if you, if you haven't known them for a long time. Just a quick note from this episode's sponsor, Indie Worldwide, an awesome community of indie hackers, founders, and makers. Upon joining, you'll have access to an active Slack community, one-to-one -one introductions with fellow makers, over $20,000 in startup discounts, 
frequent meetups, expert AMAs, and much more. Check the link in the description to join. Also, if you're interested in sponsoring our podcast, check the link in the description once again, or contact us. Thank you. And now moving on to, to your accelerator, taking all the experience you've got from fundraising. What is Fulcrum Venture Accelerator? Yeah, so we're a fundraising accelerator for mission-driven entrepreneurs. And so if you are a founder and you're building something mission-driven and you're raising seed capital, I believe that we're the best program in the world to help founders close that seed round. Because that's, that's really what we focus on. Like we, we take founders through a very set process of how to raise. And we make sure that at every point in the process, all the materials and the way they're approaching it and, and how they're talking about it and how they're thinking about it are all aligned with what works. And so the goal is that by going through our program, founders learn how to fundraise and then they actually close their seed round. And what exactly does it mean to be mission driven? Yeah, so it means that there's some mission bigger than just making money for the company that there's the mission that the company has some soul that is leading it over and above the financial return. Obviously a financial return is important for sustainability for something to be sustainable. It has to make more money than it spends, but we prefer to work with companies that have a bigger why. And how can companies apply? Uh, FulcrumVentureAccelerator.com. And um, yeah, all the information is there and you can find us uh, on socials as well. But if you just Google Fulcrum Venture Accelerator, F-U-L-C-R-U-M, um, you'll find us. So going a bit deeper into uh, how the program actually works, how do you help startups go from just the the early stages to getting funding? How does that journey work? Well, a lot of ways I could answer that question, but the first step is getting clear on your vision and your values and letting that determine the path that you're going to take with your company. Um, The second step is getting to a level of certainty with your business. So a lot of founders come into the fundraising process without full certainty about certain areas of their business. Um, When you're fundraising, you should be able to answer every question that any investor could ask you about your business with certainty. Even if that answer is, uh, I don't know the answer to that because my plan is to raise this round of funding and and then use the money to answer that question. Um, But it's all got to fit together. So you need this high level of certainty. And we help founders get that level of certainty by stress testing everything they're doing, by taking them through some exercises so that they end up either seeing an area of their business where they need to go back and do more research, or they come to this point of feeling invincible uh, because they have such a high level of certainty in everything that they're doing. And so once you've got that high level of certainty, then you can move into the next stage, which is preparing all your materials for the raise, identifying your target investors and making your your slides. And then once you've got your slides dialed then and your list of investors dialed, then we teach our founders, how to make connections, then they can go out and meet all the investors that are on their lists and work those investors through their funnels in order to identify their who's going to lead their round. And once you've identified a lead, then you move into the next stage, which is filling out the rest of your round. And then you move into the final phase, which is closing. So our process is based on an agricultural metaphor and the stages are tilling, planting, watering, harvesting, and closing. And so you move through those five stages in our program and every stage has a very specific set of tasks and outcomes. And so the idea is if you focus on the stage you're in, do the tasks 
that are relevant to your stage. You will then graduate from that stage and move to the next stage. If you graduate from all five stages, then you've now completed your raise. You've got money in the bank. And outside of Fulcrum Venture Accelerator, what advice do you have for pre-seed or seed startups looking for funding? Um, Get your certainty and your materials to the point where you can show somebody what you're working on and they are so excited that they want to introduce you to people in their lives because it will make them look good. Introducing people to such an exciting founder with such a well-thought-out and dialed plan. Mm -hmm. If you can get to that point, that's a great place to be. And so you want... You want to be able to communicate your opportunity in such a compelling way that almost everybody who sees it gets excited. Like, first of all, understands what it is you're doing, understands how big it could be, understands how you're going to do it, and and it gets excited. Have you ever raised, Charles, for your for any of your stuff? Uh, no, I haven't yet. Um, been bootstrapping a, a few projects, um, but yeah, I haven't raised. Yeah, cool. So it's like similar to you know, even when you're bootstrapping, you're selling potential partners or potential customers on what you're doing. And so it's really getting what you're doing to the point of being able to be communicated in a way that gets people excited. Yeah, that's that's really the, the crux of it. That's great advice. Yeah. And what does your day-to-day role look like as founder and CEO of Fulcrum Venture Accelerator? Uh, today we had our team meeting. We're talking about this next cohort that we're enrolling right now. So, you know, we went over some of the details of that and we welcomed some new team members. Now I'm doing this podcast with you. I've got some calls with founders who are completing our last cohort to make sure that they set up and they have a plan moving forward. Yeah. So it's mostly like podcasts, working with our founders, working with our team, hiring people. And what are your future goals for uh, Fulcrum Venture Accelerator? I want us to be, and we are becoming an established name in the startup world and known for helping founders get seed capital done. And um, in the future, we have some other big ideas that we'll announce at the time, but really right now we're focused on being the best program for early stage founders who are raising. And how do you think the way startups are raising capital is changing? Mm, Good question. Well, it's become more granular, it seems. I think what used to happen is fewer companies would raise larger rounds. And now it seems like more companies are raising smaller rounds at the beginning. And then all those companies compete for the next round and they compete for the next round. And and so it's this whittling out process where founders will raise, but then if they can't show the traction, it becomes harder to raise next time. So I think that's changing. The safe note has changed things and made it a lot easier for founders to structure their raise and just bring in money without a lot of paperwork and legal work. I think the bar for traction is kind of going up. Like you really, at the pre-seed level, family and friends and pre-seed, you don't necessarily need a lot of traction, but once you get to the seed level, series A level, there's very clear metrics that you're expected to hit. Like to raise a seed round now, it seems you need an ARR of around a million dollars. So I think the the bar is going up, but it, but then again, there's more venture funds being created than ever before, uh, early stage funds. So there's lots of new funds out there. There's lots of new investors. It's yeah, it's an exciting space. I, I guess also I'd say seed in the, in the pre-seed and seed stage, there's crowdfunding, which is changing things. So now sometimes people will go and raise from the crowd or raise from their members instead of raising from investors. Mm-hmm. And I'd love yeah. to explore that a bit more. I know you mentioned that you did some crowdfunding. What are your thoughts on it as a potential way to raise capital? Uh, you know, it's very different. For me, 
I still prefer finding really smart people, a small group of really smart people and going and presenting them with, with an opportunity that, that to me, you get the double value of potentially getting a check or you get some really smart advice as to why they're not investing that you can then go and use to make your, your, your plan better with crowdfunding. Mostly it's people who don't have a lot of domain expertise that are investing. And so you don't necessarily get that feedback from the people. So I think that's a downside, but on the upside, if you're a business and you've already got a big customer list, it can make it easier. And there can be a lot of alignment in going to your customer list and saying, Hey, we decided to raise some money. If you'd like to be a part of what we do share in our future success and be a, a part of our story and be an owner in the business here's an opportunity to do that, especially for consumer brand companies. Like, you know, if you're starting an ice cream company, for example, and you've already got some traction, so you've got 5,000 people who've already bought your ice cream. I think it can really help with a community stimulation to go back to all those people and say, Hey, you love our ice cream. Would you like to become an owner, a part owner in our, in our business? And for a thousand bucks, you'll be like a founding member. Um, because then after those people put in a thousand bucks, to fund the ice cream company, they're then going to tell all their friends like, Hey, I, you know, I'm an investor in this company. You, you got to try this ice cream. When they go to dinner, they'll be like, they'll bring a, up some of that ice cream and say, I'm an investor in this company. So it'll help with marketing. So I think crowdfunding can really help, help a company with marketing if it's if done right in that way. And on quite a different note, how can startups seek legal advice, particularly in the context of raising funding? Yeah. Find a lawyer in your jurisdiction who has experience. It's someone in your jurisdiction. So if you're building a company in the UK, like find a UK based lawyer, or if you're building a company in Dubai, find a Dubai based lawyer who has experience with startups. That's really important because if you find a lawyer who doesn't have experience with startups and early stage financings, you're going to waste a lot of time and energy uh, going around in circles when, if you come to raise money or, you know, do a lot of the things that startups do. So just like you wouldn't want a lawyer who doesn't have experience in personal injury, like representing you in a personal injury situation, it's the same with startups. There's a lot of domain specific expertise that's needed. And in terms of compensation for the, for the lawyer, do you think it's best to give them equity or bring them on as a COO and give them equity or you know, pay them the, the fee? Or what, what are your thoughts on how to compensate the lawyer? So, and we're talking about like an early stage company yeah, very just early getting stage. off the ground. Yeah. I think it's best to just pay them for their time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Like if you're building something in the legal space, then it probably makes sense to have a lawyer on the team. Like if you're, if you're building software for lawyers or some, mm -hmm. some type of service for lawyers, then I think it makes sense to have a the team. If you're not, then you probably should probably save that space on the team and the equity that goes along with it for somebody who's got the skill set that you actually need on the team. So I think finding a good lawyer, having them be part of your, your quote unquote team, but not necessarily making them an employee. I mean, companies only employ lawyers to, to be lawyers like way further in the life cycle when they have a general counsel and they've got a hundred, hundred people on the team. Mm -hmm. So essentially just keep the team tight and only expand when you really need to. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. And final question, where can people connect with you or support you? Uh, you can find me at fulcrumventureaccelerator.com. And uh, we're on Instagram now. We just started our Instagram. So it's the Fulcrum HQ on Instagram. 
And you can find my Instagram also Will Sachs, W-I-L-L-S, like Sam, A-C-K-S. Awesome. And we will put all those links in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Will. This has been incredible to dive into the world of, of raising funds and really interesting to learn more about your experience with that. Um, so thank you for your time. Great. Thank you, Charles. It was fun.